If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hi, this is KT Thomas from KT's Money Matters. And today's Tuesday. So Tuesday's quick tip this week is all about the problem with timeshare rentals. Specifically, I'm talking about that big vacation that was so lovely and how they convinced you to go on this great resort to go look at all these other properties and ways that you could come back to a beautiful place like this year after year after year. And what we really know is that most people buy it's really a full court press sales cycle where they're convincing you all along why you have to have it. And then they're trying to figure out monetarily what they can do to make you buy it. And so you have to wonder if somebody's working so hard to sell you something, is there some part of this that you should be a little concerned about? So I've heard people say, oh, I I was not going to buy. We agreed we weren't going to buy. We went into the presentation and then we bought. And I say, because they're actually really, really great salespeople. So my husband and I on vacation in this really nice resort decide that we're going to go listen to this timeshare presentation and figure out what this is really all about. From a money point, I understand that it's not a good investment, but I really didn't know what was happening in there. So my husband and I go and we're there for hours, right? So first they entice you with this idea that you'll get a $200 uh, gift certificate for dinner at a reservation at a you know at a restaurant on the island of your choice if you come for a 30-minute presentation. But it's not 30 minutes. They give you 30 minutes and they sit down and then they start talking to you about the numbers. And in the numbers, they go back and forth between how much would you like to spend on vacation and isn't this a beautiful place? Wouldn't you like to be able to come back to here every year? And then they start breaking the cost down on the other side into fragments. So how much would you spend on vacation? Well, so let's say if you spent $3,000 a year for the next 15 years, how much money would that be? Except that people don't always go on vacation and they're assuming that you're always going to go on vacation. Then they start to break it backwards. How much is it a month? How much is it a year? How much does it turn out to be a day? And then at the end, when I still wasn't saying yes, they were trying to compare it to a cup of coffee. So this is about the cost of a good cup of coffee every day. And so it's hard to say no when they make it seem so small. They make it small because it's a great selling technique. And when they do it, you feel kind of stupid not saying yes, except that you're smart if you don't say yes. And it was really hard to leave and not agree. About three times during the presentation, I actually said, listen, I'm so not buying today. I'm a financial advisor. I do this for a living. This is never going to happen. So can we just wrap it up? And they said, yeah, but I have to have my manager have you sign this form so that they can say that you had the whole presentation so we can get you that coupon. Then the quote manager comes in and he tries to sell it to me all over again. It really took about two and a half hours of my time 
and many heated conversations for what they thought was maybe the cost of a cup of coffee. But it clearly wasn't because who works that hard for a cost of a cup of coffee? Eventually, we just got up and we left. But even that was difficult because first the sales guy comes in, then the manager comes in, then the district guy comes in. And I basically say that we're not buying and we're leaving now. And my husband's there going, you know, should we listen a little bit more? Or I'm like, get up, we're leaving. And so what I'll say to you is you could do that too. It's not a prison and they can't make you stay. You can just leave. People buy. People buy and they buy a lot. And there's a lot of buyer's remorse in the timeshare market. So much so that there's a secondary market, which is pay to get people to make your timeshare go away. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just think, there's so many people out there with unwanted timeshare that there's another business that you pay for to help make it go away. So if it were really valuable, my first question is, why would everybody make it go away? Well, first is because that purchase price that you pay in the beginning isn't the only cost. And most of the time, people go in and finance timeshare instead of pay cash for it. So one of those rules of thumb about buying vacations is that If you have to finance it, you probably can't afford it. Now, that might sound simple, right? So if you're somebody who saves money to go on a vacation each year and has, say, $3,000 set aside, then you don't take your extended family on a cruise because you don't have $15,000, you have $3,000. But in the world of timeshare, they convince you that this vacation is worth an amazing amount of money over your lifetime And so you could pay for it now and then have that vacation for years and years and years. So let's get grounded with the facts a little bit. First is the average cost of a timeshare week is about $14,500. Now, many of you have paid more and some of you have paid less, but this is just the average, right? So nobody's average, but you know, this gives you an idea that it's not a cheap vacation. On top of that cost, There's usually an annual maintenance fee, which on average is running about $660 a year. So $660 a year to keep your beautiful property pristine for you when and if you want to come. But that, of course, is also part of what you would spend if you rented a hotel, a lovely hotel. It probably would cover two nights stay in a comparable hotel. So let's say you buy timeshare for a week and then you subsidize the cost of your stay by paying two days of your week every year. So really what you did when you financed that fourteen dollars or $15,000 was you bought a five-day hassle-free vacation. Of course, it's not really hassle-free, but that's what it's supposed to feel like. Now, these contracts are really hard to get out of. And even if you do get out of it, let's say you pay it off and you decide after a number of years that you're not going to use it and it really hasn't worked for you like you hope and you go to sell it, you have some big surprises on the back end. The first is there's no real market to sell your timeshare. Now, there are sites out there that will tell you that they'll sell your timeshare, how they'll market it. There are also sites that might tell you that they have somebody who wants to buy your timeshare or all you have to do is pay to register with them. But most of that is because these people know that people who buy timeshares will buy the next thing. So they know that if you want to get out, you do almost anything to get out. Every year that you write that check and you don't go, 
you're more and more frustrated and you just at some point want to make it go away. And I can understand that. I would feel the same way. But let's say you did pay $15,000 for a timeshare and then you ended up getting out of it. Let's say you got $2,000 back, which is a really small amount of money and you'd be thrilled if you got that selling your timeshare. Let's say you get $2,000. So now what you have is a $13,000 loss. And if this loss were a stock or real estate, I'd be able to write that loss off and you would be able to reduce your taxable income by whatever that loss was. So let's say it's $13,000. So for the average person, maybe total taxable exposure, maybe 25%, we'll just keep the math easy. Um, that $13,000 would equal about $4,000 worth of tax savings. But the IRS understands that this actually isn't an investment, despite maybe what you've heard at the presentation. This is prepaying your vacation. And for the purposes of timeshare valuations, the IRS assumes your basis is zero. So even though you might think it's worth a lot, the IRS thinks it's worth absolutely nothing. And therefore, you can't write off your invested amount because it wasn't worth that in the first place. So by now, those of you who bought timeshare are listening to this going, are you out of your mind? I spent a lot of money on this. This is definitely valuable. A lot of people go, but it's really not valuable for the purposes of the dirt. It's really about prepaying your vacations. So because they have no intrinsic value for the purposes of declaration from the IRS, what that means is that whatever you spent and then whatever you spend to get out of it will be good money after bad. So the next thing you might say is, well, the heck with it. I'll just stop paying. If you stop paying, they can foreclose on you, which they will. And although the timeshare people aren't really in the business of trying to collect these debts, they are happy to sell them to collectors for pennies on the dollar for people that'll stalk you for the next seven years. You do have a couple of options. In fact, I Googled sell my timeshare and I had literally hundreds of resources. Some of them were secondary market resellers. Some of them were attorneys claiming they could make it all go away. What I would say to you is the first place you might want to go is talk to the people at the location where you bought your timeshare. Call like you're wondering if you could buy another one and how much would it cost? And then ask them, would you be willing to sell my unit for 50% of what you're going to sell the other one at and double the commission? Remember, these people are in sales and they get paid commission for what they do. So if they're incented, to sell your timeshare more than a brand new timeshare, they might just do that. I think it would be worth the call. If not, there are a couple of lawyers who are on the Better Business Bureau website. You've heard me talk about this before. If, you, if you've never been, it's bbb.org. And you can look up any company. And one of the companies you can look at is Timeshare Resellers and find one that has some success in selling your timeshare. So my first goal is try not to buy it, but if you did and you try to unwind it, just be careful that you don't end up spending even more money. I say this as kind of a buyer's beware. In the timeshare business, they actually know that these properties are generally sold to people who cannot afford them, that it's a lifestyle purchase. If you can't pay cash for it, you probably shouldn't be buying it because it means you really can't afford it. But even if you could afford it, should you pay the money? What else could you be doing with that $15,000? So 
So let's just say we have that $15,000 and we put it in a mutual fund for say 20 years, the same 20 years as the average life of a timeshare. And we grow it at say 7%. Well, that money in the future could be worth $93,000. And that's a lot of night stays. Something to consider. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.